two, one. Hey everyone, uh, this is a podcast presentation from the 1619 Project that my cohort, Andrew Skirvin, and I made for our senior seminar class. We were unable to meet today because we had to, uh, I had to move off of campus earlier this week, but uh, we're talking on the phone right now and she, uh, she'll get you to started on what the main idea of our uh, discussion today will be. So uh, just a little bit of an introduction. We've been working this semester on the nineteen sixteen or the 1619 project, and the title is a discussion about racism in two Indiana communities. Our audience for this are people looking for a first-hand understanding of what living in a racist community is like as an anti-white person, anti-racist white person. This is our audience because we feel as though our experiences are often different than people expect, especially in a state like Indiana. There's racism infiltrating in all communities even today, and a podcast gave us the platform to discuss racism in a more personal manner conversation while giving this to a larger audience. Yeah, very well said. Yeah, very well said, Andrea. Um, Yeah, we're really... um eager to uh, get into this and talk about uh, how we see racism in uh, our hometowns of Lafayette and Brownsburg, Indiana, and uh, we'll also talk about the implications of those. Um, uh, uh, it's it's not really, they're not really, I mean, they are violent acts most of the time, or sometimes, but um, it's really hard to describe like the, uh, that kind of oppression that people feel because it's, it's like they're bound by change, uh, chains that they just can't be freed from. With that being said, let's jump right into our first podcast, a discussion of racism in two Indiana communities. So uh, we um, found some pretty interesting statistics from the World Population Review. Um, We found that Lafayette is 84% white, and 9% black, and uh, Brownsburg is actually, um, it's a higher rate. It's 90% white and uh, 4.5% black in that community. So uh, uh, Andrea is always talking about me about like some of the crazy things that she sees um, involving racism in uh, the small town of Brownsburg, which I think is, um, like that was, like when she talks about that, it's pretty eye-opening to me because um, there really aren't that... um, many straightforward racist people in Lafayette, but you can tell that um, some people just think that white people are better than others, but the way that they speak, the way that they um, just treat people in general. And I think that's a really sad thing to see because it's like, how could you have all the, all of this success and just think that it's almost like they're born with that attitude. Because it's not because I feel like most of the hardworking people I know have this empathy for other people that isn't dependent upon race. It's not dependent upon circumstance. It's just dependent upon being a human person, and they uh, know like and they know that struggle, that um, it just takes to rise to the top, and I think it's it's very crucial that we educate people about uh, what we see in our communities and stand up for those people that are fighting oppression. Well said, Sam. I think a great quote discussed by 
Hannah Jones in Liberty of the 1619 Project is anti-black racism runs in the very DNA of this country, as is the belief so well articulated by Lincoln that black people are the obstacle to national unity. As we have seen throughout this project and history that we've seen, learned in our different educations, racism runs very rampantly throughout this country and even today. As we've seen throughout this summer, there are so many black people dying innocently at the hands of those who should be protecting us. And as a result of this, we've seen 15 to 28 million people protest this summer, according to a poll done by Civis Analytics. It's one of it's been one of the largest civil rights movements in history. Yet there have been very few legislative things being done to actually put an end to this. Like you were saying, it's my experience in Brownsburg. I am of the large majority of white people in Brownsburg. I myself was surprised to see the demographics being so unbalanced at 90%. Um, my mom used to tell me stories, she grew up here, about how when there was a time where somebody burned a cross in the front yard of a black family's home, one of three black families at the time that lived here. So to say racism is non-existent or not a problem in this country is absurd. It is affecting so many people on a daily level, let alone if you want to start talking about the implications this has on your everyday life and ability to succeed. Wow, that was very well said. Yeah, my, uh, my dad's talked a, a few times about when he was a child. Um, he lived in southeast Indiana in a town called Rising Sun. It's near Cincinnati. And um, there uh, was a black family that lived on the outskirts of the town, but the kids didn't attend the school uh, that that family had. And um, the, the, the family's kids, I mean, not the family's school. But yeah, the kids didn't attend the school. The family wasn't seen in the town that often. And my dad said they just referred to them as like the blacks or something like that, like something very racist. I can't remember exactly what he said. The people in the town called them, but it wasn't by their last name. Right, which is just one small implication of racism that affects so many people. I think that there is such an importance to who you are in your name. And I think that so often people are quick to um, complicate other people's names because they aren't a three-syllable word or your typical English name like Jack or William. Those are very easy names um, and very common names, yet people are so quick to immediately write off others based on something as simple as somebody's name. Yeah, yeah, right. And um, you mentioned earlier about um, how uh, thousands of black people are losing their lives, um, as we've seen, like, just in this calendar year to violence from police officers. A lot of that is being recorded now, as we've seen on news stations. But I think something that goes really unnoticed is uh, job opportunities for black people. Um, There was an interesting quote from um, the article Sugar in the 1619 Project. Uh, Lewis believes black cane sugar farmers, uh, black sugar cane farmers will no longer exist. 
part of long ter- a long-term trend nationally, where the total proportion of all African-American farmers has plummeted since the early 1900s to less than 2% from more than 14%, with 90% of black farmers' land, land lost amid decades of racist actions by government agencies, banks, and real estate developers. Yeah, so um, I, something that really bothers me about our current president is that he claims that um, there's a lot more jobs for Americans than there ever have been, and that he has done more for the black community than every president that we've ever had, but this just isn't true. Like, you can go outside in a city and see it, how many uh, minority people are homeless or are just getting by with minimum wage, and this is just something that's really sad, and it, I, it's probably up to our generation to fix the systematic racism, but it's going to have to be a whole majority effort because I think we've fallen into like this path as, as a society of taking, uh, like, I don't even know how to describe that. Uh, taking credit for something that like you'll always you'll always be the first person to take credit for something, but when something that is very controversial and wants to be uh, ignored by many people, when something like that comes along, not a whole lot of people step up to the plate, and I think that uh, that specific kind of leadership is needed in our country. I completely agree. A couple things I'd like to talk about of what you were just saying. Go ahead. I mean, going back to the farming, the fact that the farming industry is such a, the agriculture part of our country is the backbone. And we are seeing such a discrepancy in color, people of color farming simply due to racist standards that exist in the farming community. And you're right, there isn't anything being done especially by a president who wants to claim um, so much change being done, yet, again, how many people were in the streets this summer protesting for change, and a blind eye was turned, and military officers were called in to handle it. But it's such a sad realization, and see how deep, deeply woven it is in our society. And you're right, there's so much that has to be done. It is going to take so many people and every level of government, education, of every system we have for change. And for the first time, I think we're finally seeing a generation who notices how prevalent this issue is and actually wants to make a difference. I think that's why this topic is so important and why I'm so proud that Marion chose it as their senior project. It's a topic that so many people do want to turn a blind eye to because it's easier to ignore than admit the faults and the problems that you have inadvertently caused and um, redistributed into society. But that being said, this discussion is just so important to be had at every level. You need to be talking to your high school students, your middle school students, including your college-age students, about racism in society and how it's affecting their classmates, their teachers, their professors, and themselves and their parents. It's such a deeply concerning issue that actually impacts such a large percent of our country, and they should not 
everyone in this country deserves the same amount of respect and opportunity. Yeah, going along with that, um, I found a really interesting uh, quotation from uh, the Indiana Public Media website uh, about Crispus Attucks High School in downtown Indy. Uh, when it was first Great built, it was yeah. Uh, when it was first built, it was uh, built out of racism," said uh, Patricia Payne, the director of racial equality for initiative for Indianapolis Public Schools. Uh, she also said the school board members were Ku Klux Klan members uh, when it was first conceived. They did not want white students and black students going to school together. So, yeah, I mean, that just says it right there. It's like, what's your reasoning behind that? Just because it's the color of their skin? Or do you actually, like, it's pretty pathetic that people think that based on, like, their family circumstances that they're just terrible people. Like, I feel like that that is just a conception that a lot of Americans have had for a very long time. Right, especially looking at, I mean, Christmas Attics was built and was opened in 1927 and served as the heart of the black community in Indianapolis for a long time. Yet, these people were consistently being oppressed within the school that they relied upon by members who were actively seeking to eliminate opportunities for them. And 1927 was was less than 100 years ago. So to say that so much has changed in such a short period of time is ignorant, and we're ignoring an issue that is starting with our children, arguably the most... I feel like... uh, Sorry. (laughs) No, just the most important aspect of society is our children, and we want to make sure that they're getting the right education, yet if starting up their education is biased and negative for them it's hard to stand by yeah we see aspects like these like with job opportunities school opportunities police violence um another great quote from the 1619 project is one step further equals two steps back it seems like even though that uh like america's attitude towards racial equality is improving every every time there's a a violent act against a a black person or someone loses their job because of the color of their skin like that's I think that's more than two steps back like I just I just don't really know what kind of thought process that a racist person has I wish that I could get inside their head and just see why it's like I don't even maybe they were taught that when they were younger that type of lifestyle but it's just very hard for me to understand Yeah, I agree. As someone who actively seeks to help others and support others in any way possible, feeling so helpless in society where, as we've talked about previously, there's so much that has to change in order for a difference to be made. Um, It's really overwhelming to think about, and especially in my small Brownsburg community, I think you're right. I think it's just something that you're born with and or born into and understanding and taught. And in order for that, we just need so much more education and understanding of each other because at the end of the day, we're all here searching for the same thing. We all just want to be happy and successful and 
enjoy the life that we're given. And that's really hard to do when you are actively fighting against the system that's oppressing you. This is going to sound kind of corny, but the only solution there is is peace. I feel like when one side is racist, that makes the other side terrified of the racial group, or the racist group, I mean. And then they, then they end up just hating each other. And, th- and you can never move forward with, with that. And I don't know if there needs to be maybe like a television programming for that like is necessary for all people to watch about hey uh, like hey these issues are still relevant if you see this this or this in your community you should stop whatever's going on because even though you may not recognize it as racism uh it could lead to further problems further implications as well right exactly i think that's definitely one thing that this experience has taught me is to look out for other people all the time. You never know what's going through somebody's mind or what they're dealing with in their situation. So if you see somebody and you feel like something's wrong, like with the situation, or you hear somebody negatively talking about somebody else, somebody about regarding their race or negatively treating somebody treating somebody negatively due to the color of their race, you need to stop and say something because being anti-racist requires active participation in breaking down these stereotypes. So for me, I think just going on after this project, I will make a more of an effort to use my voice to stand up for those who are often silenced and making sure that the opportunities I'm given and the doors that I'm able to open, I open them for others as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, we're about at the time limit uh, now, and I just want to say I thought this was a really great discussion about um, the trends of racism that we notice in our small Indiana communities, and um, it's very enlightening to, even though it's it's sad to talk about, it's very enlightening to think about uh, your recognition of these terrible things because not all not everyone sees how much racism is a problem in our country, along with um, other issues of oppression, such as sexism and ageism, although those have uh, those issues haven't been nearly as violent. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to say I thought this was a great discussion, and I look to um, focus more on these systematic issues at hand while I journey into the professional world after graduation. Andrea, do you have any final thoughts? I think this was a great conversation, and if anyone takes anything out of this conversation today, just be kind to others and give everyone the benefit of the doubt, because you never know what they're going through. Um, yeah, thank you, Sam. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this was our podcast reviewing the 1619 Project and looking at racism in Indiana communities. Uh, my name's Sam. What's your name? My name's Andrea. <laughs> and this was Night Times, a podcast that can be found on Spotify and other platforms. Please check it out. Uh, I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks. Thanks.